Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, episode 16. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. For all of the resources mentioned in this episode, check out our show notes at rebelgururadio.com forward slash episode 16. In this episode, Eric brings to light the subconscious thoughts and patterns that hinder your mind projection experiences and results enhance your visual experiences, accuracy and precision, and learn to differentiate between imagination and actual projection. Enjoy. I just want to make a point that we hear a lot of people who talk about astral projection. They talk about mind projection. They talk about remote viewing. In my opinion, all three of these are essentially the same thing. They're, they're just wordplay, I think, to kind of uh, spread the, the interest, I suppose. Um, and I think it does a great disservice to people who really want incredible results. Um, when one thinks about astral projection, one invokes mentally the idea of this like body. And this gets into the, you know, the string that comes from the body. It's like kind of like an umbilical cord and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I, I just couldn't disagree in all of my years of experience that I have ever seen a cord or whatnot other than when maybe I was younger and I was experimenting, wanting to envision that. And I still had trouble uh, bringing that as a concept into my, because I would look for it. As far as having a body, this is us being human in a, in a bipedal form. And when you think about your consciousness stepping into an arena of distance or time or space, the organic body isn't going there. There's no need for, for legs or, or limbs or hands or even a head for that, you know, matter. It's, 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 it's you, the individual, wanting to impose your, your consciousness or your energy to have a shape. And as soon as you start thinking that way, you also limit it subconsciously, whether you realize it or not. Even though you may think you're flying through the air and you envision yourself having a body, there's still this idea in the back of your head that you should be on ground, you should be walking, you should be, these are all like super subconscious 
what we would call governors. They're limiting the amount of access or amount of speed or the amount of, of information you can get, whether you think you can or can't, it doesn't matter. It simply does that. So it's, to me, it's just very limiting. You know, when, when one thinks about, you know, remote viewing, um, you know, you don't really think of having a body. You, you, in your mind, invoke the idea that you're going to see some kind of like panoramic vision in your, your mind, you know, no different than if you were to envision what your bathroom looks like at home or, or your office or the interior of your car. And this is probably more true as to the experience than to say that you have this body. And the interesting thing is when you think about astral projection, I just want to slam astral projection all day long, but you are already, if you pay attention, you're already in the, the third person in a way, or the second person, because you're really kind of thinking about your body or observing yourself because you have a body. When we sit, like I'm sitting in a chair, I obviously can't see my face, but I can see my hands moving in front of me. I can see my, my legs extending out from my body. So when you do astral projection, there's this conflict in your mind that somewhere you're supposed to be seeing your parts, your body parts moving around. And when that doesn't occur, you don't think about it. The, the result is if you're getting results, you probably are, are already moved into remote viewing. Um, or mind projection, you know? So, you know, those are those two things there. And the thing is also we, we hear remote viewing and we hear astral projection and we hear, uh, um, you know, these, these terms and just the terms alone create this idea of how we're supposed to see things or garner information. And when you really think about it, you are already, again, setting limits by what your expectations are. And when you don't find those expectations in the way that you think they're going to happen, then you have a sense of failure. And that sense of failure, of course, is very powerful. It's very mighty. It's very suppressing. And this leads to continued failure with other attempts, or it makes it incredibly harder to have results, to get excited about that, encourage you, and you start to figure things out a bit. So it's it's a very much a, a dampening, um, you know, thing. So what are the benefits of mind projection, and how are the limitations that you're talking about, the governors? How do those prevent people from getting more out of mind projection? The thing is this: is your mind is your thoughts. Your thoughts often don't manifest as thoughts; they manifest as subtle emotions. Now you have bold emotions. You got anger. You got love. You got all these passionate things. Even hunger can be bold. Desire, you know, all these things. So when you think about these things, your your emotions also have this subtle effect, and the subtle effect that you're not really being aware of are disappointment, expectation, frustration, anxiety. And these affect the driving force of what I call your forward thinking, the, the kind of the, the front of your decision-making actions per se. But when you think about your decision-making actions, you have to ask yourself, what was the trickling information that built up to this kind of burp of a decision? Okay, I'm, I'm finished now. I'm going to get up and go. At what point did you realize that you were going to be finished? At what point did you really give up before you stated the conscious fact of that and then made an effort to give up? So 
your thinking is consciousness. Your micro emotions are really the core of where things are at. This is why I always say in meditation, which is really the greatest tool to start going into these other arenas. It teaches you to kind of be aware of your mind and discipline certain things, you know, so you can uh, have greater accomplishments. But at the end of the day, you, you have to have an inner peace, an inner calm, empty your head, and as I always say, want for nothing. It doesn't mean that you don't desire something. But the second you put want, it becomes this thought process of, of self-analyzing and, and self-doubt and self, uh, you know, this, this subtle sense inside of you without it becoming words is saying, oh, I don't know if I can really do this, even though you're trying to pump yourself up. It's better to just empty yourself of everything and then have a process by which you've been trained to follow. And that is where you're going to get better results. But thought is controls everything when it comes to mind projection, thought projection, call whatever you want. When you say I want for nothing, gain everything, mm -hmm. I think that sometimes uh, it could be misinterpreted in certain circumstances. Are you saying like, don't have desire or are you saying the approach of which your desire is formatted in other words like it's more of a, a expectation but without expecting more like you're... okay let me let me try to, to break this down because this is one of those things amongst other things that i teach that are incredibly elusive ideas and one almost would think, well, this is silly. It means this or it means that. It means the same thing, but it means nothing. And, you know, I couldn't blame for somebody who, who would, would think that's it. And so when you decide you want to get a glass of water, there are times when you say, all right, I need to get a glass of water, and you hear those words in your head, okay? Then there are other times where you automate knowing that you want a glass of water, but your mind is riveted around something else, but your body gets up and moves and go gets the glass of water because it's a routine you know very well. That would be more not thought versus actively vocally in your mind, in a sense, audibly hearing it. So whenever you have that audible part, this goes back to the little test to prove to people that they have no control that you're really a machine and you're coexisting in there. Somewhere's the real you is in there. But when I say, okay, have somebody hold up three or four random objects and whatever you do, don't say them in your head or say them out loud. And if you hear this part of you pipe up, okay, and say what it is and your, your mind's audible, okay, that is what you don't want because that very thought of vocalness is coming from the governor that sets the limits of what you can and cannot do. So it says you can't do remote viewing. This is not in your forte of tools of life. And it allows, so the second that you think in words in your mind, even though you think that you're making those decisions rather than random decisions in your mind, they're, they're, they come with wires connected to you. So when you're talking about using your mind to bend time and space, you, the last thing you want to do is to, in your head, say, okay, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or, oh, nothing's going on yet, or, oh, I think it's, but like you're chattering. This is the same battle that you have in meditation where we call it the monkey mind or the, the, the babbler or whatever. This is why you've got to do your Kung Fu lessons, your, your practice, your regiment, you know, do it again, do it again, do it again, in, in, 
your essential training for meditation because it transfers over to this incredible self-discipline of consciousness. Now, when you think of non-thought, it just means don't talk in your head. It doesn't mean you stop thinking. You know what you want to do. You know how to do it. You don't have to think about doing anything vocally if you think about it. You can do everything. In fact, you can execute it at a higher level of precision with, with having non-vocal thought going on, non-thought, then if you start thinking about it, it tends to slow down or you get disconnected from what you were going to achieve or your mind wanders. You want to really explore this process of your own self about what's kind of automated versus what is your, your true or higher consciousness in there. And if you can't discover that, then you're in at a credible loss of really trying to do these incredible things with your mind. You, you have to have a very good understanding of your self-consciousness, self-awareness. Okay. And so you could say that um, want for nothing, gain everything could be translated into have intent without, have intent in non-thought. Yeah. I mean, we're getting into to where it gets kind of crazy, but when I say to you, want for nothing when you go into remote viewing it's it's almost a contradictory thought but you you're thinking because you're physical you're applying physical thinking to your minds of 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 a of an energy level that's not restricted to gravity let's say it's not restricted to the amount of space you can move in so the moment that you have thought what is behind it subconsciously is these incredible limitations on what you can do and or you know immediately you have the sense of i'm probably going to fail and that's where it comes from so if you simply don't think about or just say i'm going to have non-thought you already know what your intention is that that quiet part of your mind the real you knows what it wants to do and it will go out and do it up until the point that your brain starts talking to it and it's like heavy weights on a on an ethereal flight or an ethereal, you know, balloon, helium bloom lifting. It's too much weight and it pulls it back down. So this is, comes into self-consciousness discipline. M most people who have incredible uh, results with mind projection will talk about how phenomenal, how mind-blowing, how incredible it was, but then it's like the one and only time they ever achieve it. Or they'll do it maybe two or three times and they just never seem to get it because they get so excited about what happened and wanting to do it again that that excitement is like like a kid wound up in your head and it actually prevents you from any further success. But if you go back to that one time you had success, I'm willing to bet that your mind was empty, that, that somehow for whatever reasons, the body may have been a little tired, the mind would have been wound down or whatever it was, but you guided through intention or desire or maybe even did it accidentally, but in the back of your mind was the desire or interest to have some effect like that. Interestingly, you can even have pre-setup uh, remote viewing by practicing for days and then one day you forget but you enter into a meditation it's like you're you've built up this flight plan and all of a sudden it says go the the, the runway is clear take off and you you're not even aware of it but it's you inside have been wanting this for such a long time that all of a sudden all the right things have aligned to have that quiet in your mind that anchor of that that organic weight is lifted from your mind and is able to go. And that's when all of a sudden you get these incredible impacts.
it seems to be that a lot of experiences happen after you're like kind of like working at it momentum builds yep. up and then when you're not trying to do it if you've been working on yeah because you've you've stopped yep. then and then what do you do you just stop wanting for it mm -hmm. so when you stop wanting for it but you just happen to not physically gotten up to change things yet there's a chance it ricochets in so this is what in spirituality is called self-observation it's through self-observation that you learn to start cutting out the stuff that didn't work and trying to say how did i get to this state of mind for that effect what was that state of mind what did it feel like can i imitate that state again and how can i shorten it to get to that point and um when i think of like the differences between remote viewing and astral projection and knowing that they're all coming from the same sensory the way i perceive it is that remote viewing is like a vision where it's not as much spiritual energy is in the experience therefore you don't feel as if you're fully immersed in it versus astral projection you could say maybe more psychic energy is involved so that you actually feel like you're out there or you're flying around or well let me ask you a question have you experimented with astral projection because it sounds like you are already pre-sorting them into two categories which i would argue yeah i i would say that i've had more experience with astral projection than remote viewing okay and i would say to you when you astral projected did you see your your body um on some occasions it's been where it's like just the top my torso up um or i felt as if i had my my body um and uh other cases i tried to try to not have it but yeah like it's it's almost like a carbon copy of the physical body leaving the body okay so and then i would say to that what did you see uh as far as myself well through your astral body that doesn't have eyeballs organically but somehow you were seeing right and i would ask yourself how were you seeing right as long as you you know with when you're dragging along your bipedal arms and torso right i well, mean i don't know exactly how they were useful they no, not useful at all but it's more about like the human brain is so designed to right i'm that. saying you superimpose that right. over the experience right. and that is energy that the, the the brain and the mind have to contribute a portion to rather than the energy or the fuel to expand how far you can go. Well, then there's other astral projection experiences where it, it, it seemed more like intense uh, in, as, as far as like, okay, like all of a sudden it's like the human torch, like you're on fire and you're flying, like almost like there's Kundalini involved. Mm -hmm. And then there's other ones where it's more like. But, but, but this is where I think a lot of these things are miscategorized. Mm -hmm. Okay when you say these things you seen your body on fire no no felt it and heard it okay so you felt it and you heard it is not necessarily astral projection you understand mm -hmm. if you felt it did you feel it in your your physical body the person i'm talking to right now or did you feel it in some kind of other body yeah, some kind of other body okay and this other body you believed was you i i believed it was a probe okay but what I'm saying to you is, okay, is that you experience that from yourself outward, mm -hmm. okay, which is a form of, let's say it's projecting yourself, okay? And I'm saying to you, what usefulness was that experience? What, what projecting to, to attain information, how was that useful to you? 
It wasn't. And how visual, how clear was it like HD 4K TV? It was like, just like now, like mm -hmm. just like regular. But how do you know that you weren't just using your imaginative mind in a, a high descript way versus actually moving your mind in, in this reality? It felt physiologically like I was moving. It still around. doesn't matter. I mean, so what would you say it would be and then? Well, I think that you're, you're, you're designing and building a, a structure in your mind. I think you're still in your mind. Right. And you believe that you're projecting that outside of you, but it's like a person who hallucinates, who, who projects, or if you don't, you get sleep deprivation, you start to see people moving around and at first they're transparent and they get more solid as the wiring of the brain starts to project your mind's eye in front of you. Right. And when you say you're feeling, you're either feeling it in your body or you're feeling it over there. If you're feeling it over there, then, you know, how does that relay in your mind? You So you see it as somebody on fire and you can have maybe empathy, okay, but that's not really the same thing as feeling it. No, yeah, like totally feeling it though. Like, but as if like I'm not. So then two people were burning. You were, your dimensional body was burning and your organic body My was organic burning. My organic body, I, I wasn't aware of. Okay. In other words, I know I was laying on the bed, yeah. but I was disconnected from whatever was happening with my organic body. But it's still happening in your mind. Right, right, right. Okay. It's still happening in your body and you're just... Yeah, you, you've, you, it's it. no different than in your dream. In your dream, you could be burning and you feel like you're burning, but you don't... You, you know what I'm saying? You, you feel right. that that person is you, so you're burning. It's, it's, this is like, you know, this is where you have to be so careful because right. you can spend your life in your head thinking you're going somewhere outside of it. Uh-huh. And it, I always say you're limited by what you can imagine. But either way, even if you are projecting, it's the same thing, right? You really are in your mind. No. What I'm saying to you is, is that if you move your, your mind, then you should be able to see at some point, like, like, it's like, it's like you're in the room. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's high def, but you don't really associate or see your body. You don't feel your body. You don't do anything that would be organically related because there is no body. Right. Okay. So when you feel your body or you think in terms of your body, you're not projecting. So I, you're imagining what I always thought was that it was that you're projecting with a kind of still having human limitations because you're, still well, you're, you're, you could be superimposing the two, right? Right. You could be getting some level of data, right. but you, but I'm saying you're incredibly limiting your, your real potential. True. So how does one move when they're projecting with their mind versus let's say in his opinion, he's, he's using his body. He's, functioning more on a, on a body. Well, look way. there, you get to a point where you don't really think of your body no more. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, it's like a diminishing effect. As you become more focused, you become less and less aware of your body. There's always this minute level of awareness and even that can go depending on how deep you go. Okay. So there, there's that one factor. Number two, as far as motion or movement, okay, I would say to you, close your eyes and right now imagine you're a drone flying over a, a tree forest heading out towards the ocean or that you're a bird. You see this momentum, okay? It's, it's, you, there's a feeling that you have in your chest right now that actually identifies, it's like computer code, and it says this is what you need in order to insert to mind projection. 
So you, you simply accept the fact that you should have movement. The problem is, is most people who do mind projection end up dropping into some place and they lack the control to actually choose where they're going because it gets very, very difficult. So there are different methods and processes in which to do that. But movement, first of all, is a very human way of thinking. And because you approach it as movement, that is what prevents you from actually seeing something at a distance. Okay. This is where you almost have to empty all of your words because you relate to them unconsciously. It's like Kung Fu training a pattern over and over again. The muscle memory is attached to that process. So by having yourself work with different kinds of thinking, this is why I say non-thought, don't have verbalization in your head, find new ways that are exclusive to this process. So one shouldn't think about it as traveling, even though it's very hard. And even I will use words like that because it's, we're talking on this level about something on that level per se. So in essence, one, I don't think of it as traveling as much as I think of just being there. Um, you know, there is a desire to know. I often said that when you do psychometry, which is to hold an object and see things in your mind, or anything where you're kind of trying to garner information, you see things in your head, this still all falls under remote viewing, in my opinion. Time does not have a hold on such a thing. Distance doesn't have a hold on such a thing. So when one thinks about it, think about it this way. If you were to see the future, clearly the future you're seeing isn't in this room that you're standing in you're seeing it somewhere else. Did you travel to that place or did you, did it just appear in your mind? But do you see my point? It's, it's, it's you're, you limit yourself by thinking you have to travel astral travel. This is again, words I hate mind projection, projecting your mind means moving it out remote viewing. This is what I prefer, but even remote viewing from a human perspective says remotely from one place, looking at a place from a distance, but you got to scrap all that thinking because that's, what's preventing you from doing it. Cause there's this subconscious part saying, Oh no, we got to get up and walk there now, or, Oh no, we have to be there physically. So when, when one all of a sudden thinks about the future, you immediately in your body know that you can't get there, but you know intelligently that a future exists because we are progressing through life in the moment. Okay. So whenever you think about something in the future, you use your imagination, you use your thinking, you use your expectation of seeing a pattern happening over and over. And you know, that's, what's going to happen around the corner because you you've witnessed it, but that's a, a form of predicting the future. So if you take the idea of, predictive thinking, which you already have a pre-designed thinking for, and you just swap that part out and leave the rest and plug it into the idea of remote viewing, all of a sudden it becomes high functioning. Sure. And a lot of things like this is, is about moving the P it's, it's, how do you think this is self-observation and what part can you disassemble from your organic thinking or recognize that that's how it works and find cheat codes, find workarounds. That that's what all, everything I teach is. It's, it's a workaround. It's hacking the system. Do you find that there's an aspect of turning inwards, turning your mind inwards to then kind of then move outwards? 
Well, again, we got to be very careful with wordplay. If you think in words, we, we want to be inside of ourselves. We think in our body. And I would say that you don't necessarily want to do that. When you want for nothing, you always walk into that situation, at least most of the time, with an intention. I want to do Listen, think of it differently. Here, million dollar statement, okay? And I've said this again in, in a lot of the training stuff and I showed ways to use this. If you go see a movie on spiders, what do you dream most likely, probably 60% chance that night you're gonna have a dream of? Spiders. But did you go to bed thinking you're gonna think about spiders? No. Did it even enter your mind after watching a movie, you talked about it, but it was just maybe a, a five second thing where they had a spider and it was like, ooh, and then it moved on with the rest of the movie. But 10 to one, because it's, it's ingrained in us, you're gonna think of that spider. Okay, so why would you have a dream about spiders knowing there's a chance and that it's a commonality that all of us already recognize that there's a good chance if I watch a movie of spiders, even two days later, three days later, I'm gonna have a dream about spiders. In fact, this very conversation is probably gonna invoke in all the listeners between the next three days, some point where they're gonna dream about a spider. So in, in essence, that's intention subconsciously. This is why when people practice something and three days later they have an effect, it's the same, it's the same principle. Do you understand? It's how do you capture that process in a bottle? And that's what I teach, is what is going on between that period of, of observing and wanting and the moment that it occurs in your dream, it's the middle part that you wanna cut out and then swap it into another part of your, your, your mind to make it do things. So it's, it's no different. You, you, that, there's an intention, there's a subconscious thing going on. So you, you have to do the same thing. You, you apply that kind of thinking or just thinking about what I said to you is already upgrading your consciousness because now it's a new idea and you're not gonna let it go if you think about it a few times. It will, it will get more firm in your mind. So when you think about remote viewing, don't think about you going somewhere. So don't think about, just think about it as it's something as is if, if you see in the future or in, in, in what you, you assume and then try to let assuming go. But you then kind of have that feeling like you go, yeah, it's like a spider dream, but now I'm just doing it to see out there and you leave it out there is nothing. You want to cut that even. So in other words, when you practice your technique for doing remote viewing, at some point you stop wanting to do any technique. It's you've done all the preparation correctly and you just kind of sit and be. And then what's going to happen is it's like the dream, it, it's some other part of your mind takes over. It wants to continue where you leave off, but you have to sit and wait as if to allow it to happen. And you will find inside of you, there's different things that you can, can grab a hold of emotionally, if you will. And it will, when you hold certain things, it's like tones or notes, or, or, or I don't even know where to begin to describe it, but it's a feeling. And you know that that's the feeling. And as long as you can hold that feeling, it's, it's, it's perpetually it's speeding up the process by which that vision is coming in. And again, and then seeing visions is a whole nother category to explain to somebody so that you have an idea how it works. Most people start thinking right away that they're supposed to see it vividly instantly. In rare cases, these things happen. But what really you need to do is you need to understand that it's, it's kind of like hazy, fuzzy. If I say, okay, close your eyes 
and imagine your bathroom floor. Imagine the, the shower. Imagine the curtains or the door to your shower. Imagine the, the tiling or the wall on there. Imagine your sink. Did you see it in HD or did you see it in kind of a transparent, fuzzy, kind of there, kind of not? It's more like you were recalling rather than adding the features. So again, self-observation, which is it? When you recall something, you have a knowing and you get maybe a 3% marker that is very transparent, 3% transparency, 100% is like HD video, okay? Like as real as real. You get only a reference point in your memory. So the idea is the more you relax your mind, the more that you stop thinking about what you want to see and you allow yourself, all of a sudden you, you already set it and forget it, I hate to put it, but you will start to see your bathroom in higher and higher levels of detail. The more that you're cool with with that idea of seeing it, as long as you remain kind of amused and observing and not having verbal thought in your head about what you're seeing. And the quality slowly inches up because your brain thinks you're gonna just, okay, you had your recollection, that's habit, you move on. There's no need, it's, it's energy efficient. So the more that you force, force yourself to continuously look at that bathroom, you will see that the 2% almost like creates another 2%, but they lay on top of each other, creating a higher definition. And then that gets stronger in layers and it gets layers and it gets layered. And then you begin to see in higher, higher level quality, but eventually you get unamused with it because that is the boredom cycle. And then other stuff starts wandering into your, your thinking. So this is all self-observation. This is all training. So in essence, what you want to do is to just accept whatever you're seeing and just continue observing without wanting to observe deeper. But what would you want? You want to see clearer. Why do you have to think about that? You, you should just simply assume that that's what's going to happen. And if you can do that, you find the definition increases dramatically. For beginners, what would you recommend as a process to build up to, or at least help them? Attain some Very level? simple. Start with visualizing the bathroom, stuff that are common things in your daily life. You, whenever you do something like this and you insist on observing longer than recall would say, you're building or exercising the portions of your brain that are the HD controllers, the, the amount of, of resources that are allocated to this. Again, the brain is incredibly energy efficient as is the body. It runs on electricity and almost nothing for electricity compared to the stone age of us where we think we got TVs going. It's still not as astonishing as what the human body can do on minimal amounts of energy, thought process, minimal amount of electrical energy. Okay. So you, by making something in your mind, demanding it by your will, just by observing makes it so that it's forced to keep raising the intensity of that, that ability to sharpen things. Okay. So then later when you start to move into the process of doing remote viewing, I would say, don't go into remote viewing, trying to find a place or a location or anything like that. Just simply in your mind, you already know you want to see something amazing. You want to see some, anything, okay? But really, you really desires to see something interesting. Look at that with the same feeling that you recall a memory that you're building in your mind. 
but make it a memory that is attached to the unknown or attached to a place or a feeling. So in other words, when I say think of your bathroom, what most people don't realize that they're also doing, if they really have self-observation, is that there's a feels like for your bathroom. If you think about it, it feels a certain kind of way to you. I'm not talking about smell. I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about, you know, your home feels a certain way. A person has a certain feeling. Like when you think about them, you, you kind of feel like, uh, or yay, or oh, or whatever, normal. You, you, everything has a frequency of an emotional feeling attached to it, no matter how small it is or how big it is. A city can feel like something. This is what we teach in Tai Zabine. But you're, you're taking, again, all of these things are interconnected. Everything has a feels like. So if you want to dial into a place, it's kind of important that you kind of know that place, that you've recorded it with your biological five senses per se, um, that you can invoke that feeling and your mind will start building that. Now there will be this battle, whether it's your memory or not your memory, okay? But what you wanna do then is you want to then use that kind of uh, precognition, if you will, that kind of sense of the future. And you, you kind of put that feeling into that place. And what's happening is as long as you don't analyze what you're thinking, the mind follows what it's kind of told to do. It stops when you start to doubt or question that process. What you're saying is like, um, say you're going to do a feels like of um, the bathroom yep. and, and you're envisioning like maybe you, you impose into it also the feeling of like, How's it going to change? New people living in the house in the future. Yes, yes. Dial. If you moved out of your old place, can you can you move your mind into the feeling of that bathroom? Ten to one, it's changed, but the majority has remained the same. Can you tell me what is different in there? Can you look at the curtains? The curtains different? You already know they are. So you guys know it right now as we're talking. You guys are already thinking about places you previously lived, and you're thinking about that place and what may have changed immediately you're going to the shower door or the the curtains anything that's changeable you already know that the floor mats are going to change there's things that can't be changed but you could paint it but it's the likelihood so you're using your rational brain it's still fighting you mm -hmm. okay but if you can relax that and not and not think about it not don't have thought that's your thought and just kind of see what vision comes to you by setting the most minute level of, of that factor, bathroom, this place, what is it like now, okay? Then, then you allow this imagery to come to you the same way that you've been practicing to, to recall in detail the bathroom. Um, a lot of people I think that have an interest in astral projection or, or, or these things kind of have an interest also in exploring like the universe and like what's outside of the planet. Yep. Is it harder? to project or to remote view or, or to have visions um, uh, when you, like if you were say to go out further out into the universe, mm -hmm. then like well, everybody's uniquely different, but the majority, as I always say, rule of thumb, it doesn't mean anything I say is a hundred percent applicable because everybody is kind of different in certain things, but a lot alike in other ways. Look, we know from the, things that I taught in Lost Room, Kairos, stuff like that, when we started talking about, you know, um, wave versus direct particles and stuff that with observation and science, it stops. Okay, for those of you guys who don't know what I'm talking about, 
talk to to the staff about Keros and stuff, mind-blowing stuff. I love science, and uh, it's in there lies your answer. The reason why people have a lot of trouble under uh, research and studies for psychic phenomena is because of the fail, the fear of failure and anxiety. And this diminishes what I consider the what I would say quantum micro level that I believe affects the macro level of reality. Okay, it's the bottom that affects all life above. It's like to say that if you were to remove yourself of the microbes on your skin, 10 to one, you would probably die. Okay, that you are dependent on an incredible ecosystem of micro life that feeds to the macro life. And I would say that that macro life has a micro life that it's dependent on and so on and so forth. So when we say quantum, we're talking about a level of physics that is, as Einstein said, spooky. It just doesn't make any sense, but it makes perfect sense if you think in terms of paranormal, spiritual, metaphysical, and the fact that nothing is real. Okay. So in essence, when you try to focus on something that's relevant here, you immediately know that that you can be fact-checked, okay? And that fact-checked in your mind creates anxiety. You know, what if I'm not going to get it right, whatever. Even though you want to convince yourself in every way, you still have that factor. That's why I always say, tell people all the time when you're doing practicing to do like readings and stuff that you're new, you're practicing, you just want a right, wrong level and keep working on it because that just alone will increase the likelihood of your success, okay? Because it alleviates some pressure, not all. Now, apply that thinking to the universe. It's not really a fact-checking system that can tell you if you see life on other planets, Okay, but here's the thing. The vast majority probably doesn't have life-supporting planets. Most people won't even go to those worlds because subconsciously, they already, without thinking about it, are looking for life. So they're going, and the the other thing is they're going to wonder that what they see, depending on their, their level of knowledge, okay, you either are going to seek something out that's very human-like Okay, which is normal rather than something that's beyond your way, uh, your aptitude to imagine something that you've never seen before. And so it still doesn't matter. You're going to have a higher level of success with your experiences with stuff that you can't instantly fact check because your anxiety level is lower. But then you have the self-doubt creeping in because you want that fact checking done. Mm -hmm. So it's a double-edged sword. Okay, so but it's not any harder to... Uh, I would say it's easier. It's easier. The only limitation is limitation of, of, of what you could allow yourself to, to imagine. You're, as I've taught in the handbook of the navigator, the mind will edit out like the letter F. Okay. And, and I show why, and it's mind blowing, even though after you know, it's doing it, you go back and it'll do it to you again and again and again. So what I'm saying is, is that you, if if you think about seeing things, I often say it's better to, to not have an, a, anything that specific you want to see, but just allow the universe to show you what it wants you to see that ultimately within you, 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 what you really need to, to see or to experience, it already knows. And you should allow that to happen to progress you faster spiritually than thinking with your forward brain, which is very limited, 
as to what you should be looking for because it is it doesn't have a clue right and so basically it kind of comes back to like the analogy of the um the shaman in south america and the yep. ship and they, they kind of couldn't see because they never imagined anything like that right before. it was beyond them so. and be, at the end of the day you have to take in something that's very far this is why I have you guys do the upgrades and why they're so special and the audio upgrades are so special because anybody who's done them will say it makes you think in a completely different way. It's absolutely alien, but it's perfectly logical, but whatever. And they'll all, I also firmly believe that the IQ dramatically increases higher because you now see everything in life on a level that it was almost like you were asleep. Okay. So this is relevant to the idea of what you can perceive. You have to channel it still through your organic brain. And it's a machine. It's just the babbler talking to you that you, you showed a banana. It's got to say banana in your head even though you don't want it to. Okay. So in essence, whatever your mind is, no matter how incredible it is, it can't process it. Another way I try to explain this to people, and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm anti-drug for the most part, but you know, with hallucinogenics, you, you can have these incredible experiences and you're blown away. And you, then the next day, when you come to, to your normal level of sense, you can only remember that you kind of had an experience. You can remember some of the details, but it's like 90% is edited from your memory or the value that it had for such an impact, even though you know in your, what I'll call a sober state, you knew was incredibly valuable and you really want to remember it. The brain can't process it. So you really have to work with the brain to gear it up to have the ability to have so much flexibility that it can actually wrap its mind around these incredible things. Hence the reason why these upgrades that I put together are incredibly important to the success and the evolution of your consciousness. It almost seems as if they pry open your filters of what you can imagine. And that, I mean, and what we're seeking is something that we can't imagine. That's really what broadens our horizons. Well, you, you can, this is goes into the other approach. I think that anybody who's listening to what we're talking about now naturally is a white cell. Naturally they're pursuing all this. Naturally there's something more than what they are surfacely. Okay. And they know this, but they first have to realize that they're in a battle between their organic consciousness and their spiritual consciousness and that the organic consciousness is greatly limiting the ability to, to merge. It's like having memory surface. Okay. And that's the first thing you got to look at is that organic capability. So you, the more that you can increase the organic capability, the more that you allow the spiritual to, to be able to become part of your consciousness, your existence, your awakening. And this is why I always say sitting in the rain, you'll get wet. If you simply listen to what I'm teaching, your mind, just thinking about it, is constantly redesigning itself. Okay. And this is why you go back to a module. You're like, I listened to this whole thing and there's stuff in there. I never heard Eric say in there. And you go back the third time thinking there's no way I'm going to hear anything new. And yet it happens all over again because each time you're going, your brain is more fit. It's more ready to handle this. Okay. And then you have more phenomenal all of a sudden happening and better results. Okay. 
In fact, I would say that, that a lot of the teachings is more about preparing your mind to, to f- experience the phenomenal than it is just actually saying, just push this button and this will happen. You, your mind has to be ready for this. I, I, I know like a lot of like also in dreamscapes, um, when we have done group dreamscapes, dream, excuse me, group dreamscapes or people just doing them on their own, they often will report experiences where they're like on other worlds or alien. Yeah, and yeah, and incredible high def. Yeah, and, and it's just, I always kind of wondered why, why they don't have more experiences like as humans, it's, it always seems to be alien worlds and that, that kind of makes Well, there's a lot of reasons. I think that, you know, one could say if you believe in past lives, there are things you're going to connect with more. But, you know, I, of course, think that what I teach is the new, beyond the new age. I think the new age is the old age, honestly. I think it's as old as religion. Religion's dying. I think the new age is dying, and I'm glad to see it go. Uh, this is the age of intelligence, science, and spirituality can go hand in hand if you can cut all the BS out. And that's what I'm about. And having said that, you know, you have to now take another approach to all of this. Okay. When you think of remote view and astral projection, of course, you're thinking about going somewhere, you think about doing all this. And I disagree with all of that. I'm more an advocator to the advanced spiritualist, is what I would call it. Okay, the intellectual spiritualist, the scientist spiritualist, where science and spirituality, we kind of walk this middle road, the in-between road. And in essence, this is something to wrap your mind. This depends on your level of education or how much to the, the knowledge of your material that you've been exposed to by me. But I don't believe that reality is reality. I believe in a simulated reality. I believe that none of this is real. It's an illusion. Now, when we say illusion, that goes to new age. If we say simulated reality, we think in a more modern age, we think, oh my God, we live on a computer disk or a USB drive or something. No, it's way beyond that. But the point is, is that there's a shift in you, a paradoxical shift inside of you that goes from reality is an illusion to this weird feeling of simulated reality because the simulated reality makes you feel as if everything is pre-written for you and that your existence is just whatever and i would say well wouldn't that be karma you know that it has all these rules in that way whereas if you think of reality as an illusion you have this sense of of etherealness it's just you just existing but in order to have something, there's a set rule or order to things, which goes back to the simulated being a higher level of interpretation or understanding if you intellectually have the capacity to do that. And I think everybody does if they, if they take the time with it. Having said that, I believe that if we are in a simulated reality, or it's the same thing as saying reality is an illusion, which was said thousands of years ago by spiritual masters in deep meditation, then why would we have any limitation on anything? In other words, instead of thinking you're having past lives, 10, 20, 100, or 1,000 past lives, really, we all are on the same server, the same computer. It's all shared data. It's only limited by your self-perception of individualized, which young people seem to be like, no, I'm my own individual. I'm my own unique person. Yes, you are. But at the same time, you're part of something much bigger. It's to say that you're made out of billions of living cells, as I say to students all the time. Now, where are you? Point to it. You can't. There's nothing from the eyeballs you see out of what they're made out of 
to your eardrums, to your taste glands, to your tongue, if you dig down deep into the flesh and you look at a microscope, it's still made out of living organisms that don't need you as a conscious being at all to function. You are an entire living universe and you don't even know where you exist. You can't even point to where you are than say you're inside your skull because you hear yourself speak. That's still not very specific. There's no you. But why does that stop with you? If you were to microscopically look down, you'd see all sorts of like little, you know, insects moving. And if you were to look at the skin they're moving on, those are like living things. If you go inside of them, it's just different than the kind of life we expect to see, like with legs and stuff. It's still a living thing. And it goes through and through your entire body. But what makes you think that it stops at you? We are these micro pieces of organisms yet on on, we are the, the, the living organisms on the skin of something else. And it goes bigger and bigger and bigger, hence macro, micro, as I always teach. So when you think about this on a conscious level, an energy level, if everything is just holographic in a sense, right down to the microbes, what part of that isn't you? When you go into a dream, in your dream, when you talk to other people, are those other people especially when they tell you stuff that you believe you didn't know, where did they come from? You, you created them. They're sharing the same server base of intelligence in your mind that you're running, you're running it. You're really the, the prime consciousness at that moment, but you see yourself as an individual with millions of other individuals. In fact, you could go to the bottom of the ocean or you can go into to the universe. There's no limitation. So you, you, everything that you see in there is created by your brain, if you will, your consciousness. And I believe that that is actually linked to all three of us in this room, like Wi-Fi, and it connects to every living thing on the planet, right down to the plants, the universe, to everything that's being simu simulated, projected as our reality. And it's just segregated so that we think we're the separate thing. When in truth, if we could just dissect that, we're part of everything. So that means when your mind projects, it's more recall than it is actually seeing anything. Um, I, on that note, actually, I, 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 but I don't want to, let me just say something that this is what people have to fight to understand mm -hmm. that the more you understand, it's more to just say, Oh, we live in a simulated reality. Okay. Yeah. And you got a blue bow tie on. Okay. It means nothing until you can really kind of in your mind move with it. Like this kind of wooly Tai Chi kind of flow. Like it, it just makes perfect sense. It's like, you got to get to the point, like you could do music and you're not even thinking about what your fingers are playing on the guitar. You're just feeling what you want and they just know what to do. There's like this flow. There's a flow when you play, play a piano, if you really get to know it well, there's a flow to driving a car where you're not even thinking about what you're doing, but yet you're completely conscious of what you're doing. It's the same place you got to get. This is why you got to absorb yourself into your spiritual teaching because it's ultimately, it is the greatest flow of any of them. Um, when we're saying that remote viewing and astral projection are the same thing, would that not say like the micro macro going into the micro or going to the macro? Wouldn't that be arising from the same thing too? Everything is. So you you're, you're dressing the astral projection in what you think it should be. And I'm saying dump that idea. It's too limiting. If anything, you got to have an idea. You have to have a concept. This is why we do the upgrades. It advances your idea of upgrades. So talking about simulated reality in the matrix, is that why it's possible to hold a feeling, a frequency in your chest and then just 
be there without having time or distance be a factor? Well, yeah, because you're, you're removing a lot of the processes by which we are programmed to do. If you think of, if, all right, think of Atari. And when you're thinking about Atari, you have uh, asteroids. Simplest game in the world. A little triangular ship shoots out these little tiny bolts of light. You got these big kind of two-dimensional squares and they bust into pieces, okay? But there is a process to the madness, okay? You know you're looking at a computer screen. You know you're playing this game. But the truth is, do you think something could hack that process? Do you think it could make all of the, the asteroids into flower petals floating around in a flower petal shape? Do you think that your triangle could be made into a circle and it just spits out things, but there's no point to say where the point should be shooting from, but you would know by when, as soon as they come out. So the point I'm making is, is that everything in reality is subjugative to how you want to perceive it. And we're all kind of in this collective agreement and hence the rules are created. So when you start to bend the rules in your mind, when you start to think outside the box, this is what we call paranormal phenomenon. This is when people see ghosts. This is when people see energy. This is when people have crazy things happen because their mind already believes that these things exist. So the code has trouble keeping them contained in, in what the standardized idea of how things work are. It starts to to break at the seams a little bit and percolate. So this is why when people get into phenomena, sometimes it gets to become extreme phenomenon. And fear is one of the most natural things to, to survive. So fear starts coloring it. This is why you always get these kind of spooky things with paranormal stuff instead of the beautiful positive things, which we call spirituality. We even divide them, okay? So this is all controlled by your inner core, your, really your causal energy as I teach. Does that answer your question? So, so when you have that feeling, you bring that moment to you in a way. It's, it's, it's like in a dream. When you go into a dream, you, if you have anxiety, you will fly in your dream. You run, you kick, you jump in the air, and you kick your feet, and you can go for a certain distance, and you stand out. This is very traditional. But anybody who has those kind of dreams, what height's involved, okay, it creates anxiety. Your feet can't touch the ground, hence anxiety. You want to have control. So you don't feel like you have control in your life. So that means in your real life, 10 to 1, there's a source. It means your job is causing you anxiety, your living situation, whatever it is, there's a source and your brain is trying to create something to therapeutically help you get through that. Because every time you fly, you land, you fly, you land, you, it's saying you have control. This is survival. It's teaching you to survive. This is why we see uh, lightning in a tree. We see fire primitively. We run and we keep having dreams about it. The next time we see it, we've seen it so many times. We've been conditioned not to panic as much. And this allows us now to, to, to approach it in a different way. It's, it's evolving ours, it's advancing our consciousness. So when you think about your anxiety in life, then I would say hack reality in a way. Take the piece out where you begin to understand it. It's a feeling. And use that feeling to superimpose on reality and think of reality in a sense as being another imposement on you, just like a dream. Now, there's this part of you that logic is going to say, well, no, it's a fight. There's walls, there's everything. I'd say in your dream, you can go, can't you? Okay, you can do everything. So this is where you can either drive yourself mad or you can say, uh, I've practiced my meditation. I'm not going to have anxiety. It is, 
And you have to know you'll always return. It's like waking out of a dream. You will always come to a place where you can feel adjusted and in control. It's really about letting go of control in order to gain greater control if you swim across that, that lake. And you may have to try many times, but eventually you get good enough. I was thinking we should have like a myth-busting segment. Like, There's one concept that I, you know, comes up a lot in circles that mm -hmm. talk about astral projection and that is um, the astral planes. Yeah. So, and to me, any of my experiences have been of this reality. When people talk about astral planes to me, and I'm willing to be wrong, but it seems like imagination. Well, it, it is, but that doesn't mean that there's not astral planes. I mean, I talk about the planes of light. Right. Okay. And if I talk about other places, I call them other realities, which really is, in my opinion, other simulated programs that have differentiations in their physics. Mm -hmm. And the laws of physics are different for them. And so when you go there, it looks kind of unusual to, to where our perception would be. Okay. But oftentimes they're not organic in the sense that we're organic or bipedal. It's completely unique. So most people can't even get that experience because their mind can't wrap around that. But going to what you're saying, yes, you, you, there is not a, a place dedicated to, to be in Valhalla. This is like the idea of, you know, religion saying when people die, if you're in our club, you get to go to heaven. And when you go to heaven, life is perfect. Life is married. Don't you think it would be the most boringest place in the world? If, if this was the way it is, I mean, what do they do? Play shuffleboard forever? Is, is it like the magic kingdom on rockets, you know, hovering up there? It, this is where we need both the negative and the positive, we need to be challenged in order to progress. We need to be forced to think, usually survival-wise. Otherwise, we don't get off our ass and do anything. So when people have this happy, you know, spiritual plane they go to, this is this is a place in their mind that they are fabricating in order to, to find a kind of happiness. It's not to say that it's not a value. I would say it is. But at the same token, what you're really after is, is a place that's not predictable Okay, rather than a place that is happy. When you think of a happy place, everything's predictable. That's why it's happy. You know, uh, if something was unpredictable, there would be a sense of fear. What's going to happen? We don't know. And would there be possibility of, I think some people even tie it into the Akashic records, like uh, projecting into some form of the Gaia mind. Well, this is, this is the other problem I hate about the New Age. It drives me nuts. Is everything is frosted with little color sprinkles on it that everybody who has an imagination has a way to interpret it. So it's like 10% genuine uh, phenomena or spirituality or psychic, whatever you want to call. And this person genuinely may dial into it, but they they have no control. It's, it's like you have no, no control. And so you start coloring it with the highest level of your intellect can perceive. So when people, okay, for if people are having like astral projection experiences, and again, if you if you kind of look outside of our social bubble, you will see that they kind of like saying they're running into other people that are projecting. Are there a lot of people that are able to have, you know, that are able to willfully project? Or I'm gonna say 99% of people saying that they're projecting are full of shit. 
they're they're either using their imagination or they're outright lying to you. And when I look at the vast majority of spiritual psychic phenomena books and all this what I consider junk, okay, it is all fantasy. It's not not anything truly worthwhile and I think people try these things and try these things and try these things with limited or no results. And when they do have some results, it's really the only true core of it actually is thousands of years old. And it started off with Vedic teachings or Hinduism or when people really had nothing better to do than to spend their whole life practicing one of these things. And then it just got to the point where lesser minds try to understand it and wanted to think they had these superpowers, okay, and then wrote about it as if they were able to do it, and it just kept getting whitewashed and candy-coated and everything is just junk. And that's why 99% of people out there who are searching for this kind of stuff, they walk away with less than 10% results. And that's because most of the stuff out there is all BS and you're being deceived. And this is why I have the philosophy of keep it simple, stupid, okay? Keep it simple. Do you, when you have mind projection experiences, um, do you ever often ever run into others that are projecting? When I was much younger, I would do astral projection and I literally would see my body. I never seen a core, but I would see my body and I would see other people there. In fact, there's one thing where I called him Charles Xavier, but he was a, a black man who was bald and he couldn't necessarily physically walk. And it was as clear as clear could be. And, you know, for years, I kind of reanalyzed this, but you have to understand that now that I'm much more awakened in, in this life, more intelligent, more able to understand from this dimension how things work, that I look back at that and I do not believe that, I believe what I was seeing was a superimposed comfort to what I would have seen in different ways. That. This is the same reason people, and you know, one has to always be careful not to insult people, and that's not my intention, okay? But when, when I was younger, I had less ability to interpretate what I was seeing and understanding. It's just like I could say that about my teens and early 20s. Even, you know, as I'm constantly progressing, I'm evolving. You can see that from the teachings, okay? So in, in essence, what I may have believed 20 years ago, 30 years old, uh, 30 years ago, would have been an interpretation based on what my mind could interpret intellectually and translate into a format that you guys can understand. So seeing those things was a overlay of my brains creating comfort. Do you understand? I think that had I been able to see it in different ways, it would have been completely different. Like I remember one time wanting to go through the Bermuda Triangle because it was like a big thing back then, you know? And I made many, many attempts astral projection wise, okay? And nothing, and then one time I did it, okay? And I remember moving through what was like, like this, this sense of an idea of reversing, reversing like a, a loop and then it did an opposite to it. And it's very hard to explain that, but it was through that process that I detached from the idea of having a projected body, it, it was like the thought just went away. And my mind was moving through it. My mind, no body, no movement. It just was simply happening. And of course I ended up on a world, okay, which I would interpretate still to this day as, as a world, that looked like it was made of, of, like I've tried to explain this before, but there have been ponds 
that I've seen that are dried out. It's like all mud, but it has these big like holes everywhere. Okay. And it's still kind of got that sweat layer of, of moisture on it. It's not necessarily clay, but it's kind of like clay mud. And it's just kind of like rumply. Okay. What holds this up. And as far as I could see, that's all I could see into the horizon, you know, like the curvature of the freaking earth. Cause there was no mountains and stuff. But what else I seen was pieces of what looked like metals and structures and stuff as if somebody threw acid on it and it deteriorated most of it before the acid stopped. Okay. And I believed at that time that these were crafts that maybe went through there. Okay. Now the point is, is this, if I was to go back and look at that, knowing what I know now, I'm not so sure that I would see the debris there. What I know I would see is that planet the way that I seen it. The debris, I think, is because I wanted to see where things were going that in my mind I had to believe that there had to be something. So somewhere's in there, it either inserted it or not, because my mind has been many times through that area, okay? And I go back and forth with my thinking, and it's also become less of interest to me because I found more interesting things. But the point is, is that one's mind evolves, and, you know, it is what it is. Um, as technology progresses, do you feel that there will be anything that will allow us to enhance our mind projection? No question about it. No question about it. But it ain't going to be none of the junk you're seeing on the market now. No little cheesy strobe flashing lights or, you know, sound beats and stuff. Listen, go old school. Quit with all this, 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 you know, fluff. Okay. It, it, it's, it's, it's just gimmicks. Okay. And you know, there's some truth maybe to certain levels of frequency, but it stops there and they've, they've put it on steroids to make a living. Okay. The real power is still your mind is more powerful than any technology on earth. Why are the audio upgrades different than that? Because the audio upgrades are actually utilizing your mind in a completely different way. What happens is, is I'm actually able to access your visual mind. You're tracking the sounds like you're at a movie. Okay. And you now have like Dolby surround sound and everything. So when you see something, you get the sense of a helicopter coming at you. It's in front of you. Boom, 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 boom. So you have the audio sense when you know, it goes over your head on the screen. You can't see it, but you can feel it from the sound because it's going boom, boom, boom. So your mind is, is building this bridge of, 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 of experience trying to interpretate it, okay? And then of course you have crickets behind you or people talking when you see an audience or a group of people on the screen, you hear them around you and stuff. So that's one step in a way that I'm utilizing sound. Now this isn't trying to get you to go into your beta, theta, yell, you know, delta, whatever. It's, it's what it's doing is I'm trying to access again, the visual parts of your mind, okay? That actually go into remote viewing, go into moving your mind and consciousness in here. Remember what I said earlier about exercising that part so they get stronger and stronger so you, you start to sense and see more, okay? It's literally doing that to you with ease because you're totally entertained, but this entertainment ain't junk entertainment. It's actually like you go into a fitness center and having a workout. The only difference is you get results immediately at the end of the session, okay? So now I'm like, okay, you have these sounds going on. I want you to isolate this sound and I want you to make it stop from where you see it in your mind's eye. So one minute you felt it's going around you in a circle. Woo, woo, woo. And all of a sudden you realize you're seeing it like a ball. 
and this ball is moving or this propeller has a point that's moving. So now you're exercising that part of your mind with an experience that feels physical, but you know there's nothing physical. Do you get the conundrum now? Do you understand? It's the same thing when you move your mind through time and space. You need that understanding, okay? So when I say then find the sound, slow it, all of a sudden the person starts concentrating and they start slowing it. By where are you drawing the ability to stop this thing from moving? There, there's, there, this is a pre-programmed system. So you begin to slow it and you actually eventually get to the point where you can stop it. But if you pay attention, you'll feel it in your chest like there's something happening in you from some other source that's exercising some kind of willpower, some kind of influence on something you're experiencing. Think about how profound that is. So now you're, you're holding this sound and the second your mind wanders, that stupid babbler kicks in, okay? All of a sudden, you've lost your power. So now you gotta do it again. The only difference is it takes you half the time to do it because you're, you're learning, okay? Then all of a sudden your mind wanders again, it goes. And the third time you go, you do it even faster to eventually by the fifth time, you can just do it by will alone. Then I say to you, well, make this thing start going in the reverse way. And you're like, ah, but you start practicing and all of a sudden you can do it in a reverse way. You could stop it. You can even, I can say, make it stop at a three o'clock point, make it stop at a, a, a four point, make it stop at a 10. You can, this is not simply applicable to to that session, you can now use this in a psychic level. If you walk into a haunted house and there's phenomena, you want the truth, you can affect the entity or the frequency in there. Think of it the same way. You can't grab it, you can't do anything, but what happens when you can will it and all of a sudden you can hold it? The same way if you just translate the idea of that sound moving around and you think of it as being that ball, that ball, that entity is the ball and it's under a very similar relationship to the sound that you are controlling is very bridgeable as an idea to an intelligence or energy. They're both not touchable in a way, physically. So then the, the, it goes into more and more training, more elaborate training, where you begin to let your mind move between sounds and frequencies where you start to hear people singing, okay? And there's no singing in there. There's no, well, look at the tracks, okay? I was going to say, we've had hundreds of people at yes. this point with it. We've done case studies and yep. I know for a fact that there is no, there's no vocals in any of the audio. They're very simple. But, you can but, count how many instruments are in each one. But, yep. but so many people, it's not just like a few people. It's like a bunch of people are coming out. Like I heard angelic voices. Yeah. And they'll argue to death. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no question. It's and, there. And yeah. other, other people like I, I heard, I didn't yeah. hear that, but I, I heard like Buddhist monks chanting, chanting before. beautifully. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, another thing that I always noticed too, and a lot of people were saying this too, you feel this, uh, some of them, you feel like, dude, I swear to God, there's like some, there's people are talking in the room. People are like uh, annoying me. Like they're right. around me. Like right. what, like you're right. squatting, like, and you look right. and there's nobody, everybody's right. just meditating. But the, the reason why these do this, you don't get this from, from this binaural stuff. This is way beyond all that. Okay. What you're getting from this is training for your mind to enter the simulated reality with new rules. You're gaining skills that allow you to harvest uh, information from, from wherever you are. And that's what's important. All your five senses harness information. That's what they do. That's 
how you know what you know. That's how you eat what you eat. You taste what you taste. It's information, what's good, what's bad, what's good to see, what's bad to see, what's pleasant to hear, what's not pleasant to hear. So that defines your intelligence. And it's all converted into electricity when it goes through one of your senses. When you start to develop a sense that can define things that the other five cannot see or experience at all, that increases your intelligence dramatically over your fellow human race. So I don't know if you want to, if this is proprietary, but why is it that people are experiencing those same specific phenomena? Is it is? Well, I I think that certain individuals uh, are, you know, I hate to say like the X Men, if you will, but uh, some people are dispositioned for different skill sets. It's like some people might be better at hearing sounds and they can hear higher levels of, of octaves per se. Some people may have a better palette to see color for paintings and stuff like that. Other people may have a better palette for tasting and they literally can taste stuff that other people can't or, or hear things or, or these things. <coughs> other people have more an adept for recall and memory versus you know uh, trying to do other stuff that other people have an average. So I think that people have unique interests already they just they are driven in a certain way and that is actually sorting them because they're they're finding they have an aptitude or strength in certain areas of of that uh skill and that is why they're hearing what they're hearing and you have two different what they're hearing is it a real thing that they're hearing absolutely it's it's uh, absolutely what is it (laughs) or do you want to go into that or no well, it's, you know, we probably got to wrap this up soon, but this is, this is the real deal. Okay. And what you have to understand is that when, when you say angelic voices, I, I understand that that's an interpretation, but here we go with wordplay again. You imagine this chorus of angels with wings. That's not what it is. I'll leave it on this note. Okay. You have emotions in you that are very slot in position this is my anger this is love this is joy this is happiness this is fulfillment and you could say what all of them are correct when you move if if you feel that way it means that the cells in your body can be affected by that same mood and we know this through research okay when you as a cell if you look at it that way enter the bigger picture how would you say that your interpretation through through what you are at this moment would interpretate a place that you become aware of? Oh, from a cellular perspective? Correct. Yeah. That's the first gateway you're stepping through. The point is if you continue to move through it, it just gets wider and bigger and more profound. But what you're literally doing is you're standing at the doorway hearing what's on the other side coming at you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. 
that was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken, knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere in between, I flew. Higher balance, we think outside of the box, a new kind of spirituality, a new kind of meditation, a revolution in consciousness. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 